Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. And I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan, and we've got Greg Barnes live from Kansas City. Greg, coming to you after being at the press conferences and all that good stuff, open practices and all, Carolina and Kansas City, of course, Carolina and Auburn play tomorrow night, Friday night. Greg, um, I want to, before I get to you, I want to start with a, a clip that you gave me from Kenny Williams. Kenny was asked about the elephant in the room, and that's how does Nasir's Little's illness affect the team? Kenny Williams certainly had some comments that might surprise a few folks, but knowing Kenny Williams and, and how he and the team approach each game, not really. Check this out. That's more of a, a, a coach adjustment. <laughs> you know what we what we do, um, it won't really change, um, and that's that's the reality of it. Coach, coach have to make some adjustments with his rotation and who he subs in and out at certain times. But um, you know, I, I, while we're on the court, um, our keys, our emphasis, the things we emphasize, um, they're still the same. We're still going to rebound. We're still going to try to run. We're still going to try to get stops on defense. So um, I think coach will have a bigger change than we do. That just sounds stupid, but do you feel bad for him? He's been playing so well and sort of keep turning corners and turning corners. Yeah, I mean, it, you hate to see him. Um, not even with the basketball. It's just you hate to see someone sick down and out. And, you know, he's not even here with us right now. So, um, you know, that's that's the part that really hurts me. But, um, you know, he's, he's a fighter. Um, and like I said, we've got the best medical staff in the country. So I'm sure they'll do everything they can in their power to get his strength back. But uh, you know, in terms of him playing well right now, it, it does hurt um, because he's he's had an up-and-down season. So, um, you know, once he's, he's finally starting to hit his peak, and, uh, you know, to have the, the, the chance of him not being able to play, I think, I think it, it, hurts, it hurts us as a team, but as brothers also. Greg, I love how the first thing he said was uh, talking about his coach's decision, how they – fix the rotations or handle the rotations and then he went on to talk about Nasir as a brother and one of the one of their family members being sick but your thoughts on this obviously it's gotten Carolina Nation a little worried heading into a what seems to be a tough ball game against Auburn well I think the the biggest issue just on a, a personal level and Roy touched on this last week ironically but Nas was really making significant strides in his development. And then he had the, uh, the injury, you know, a month or so ago, they kind of put him back and got hit in the chest and uh, that threw him for a little bit of a loop. Uh, and then after he kind of regained his footing, he's played well the last several weeks. And then of course, against the zones that Iona and Washington threw against North Carolina and Columbus, um, he was dominant in those games and really gave UNC a kind of a, a one-two punch in the post, which we haven't seen in a couple of years. And so you hate it for him that uh, after having such significant growth, all of a sudden he's he's got this obstacle in front of him. At least it's not an injury, and it, we, we don't know that it is actually the flu. It is flu-like symptoms. But as I was telling you guys off air, I'm, I'm a lot older than Nas, and I'm not quite the athlete he is. Pretty close, but not quite. Uh, and the the flu that I got at the beginning of March knocked me on my butt like I haven't been in 15 years. 
Uh, so hopefully, hope, hopefully he doesn't have anything to that severity. But we do know he was not at the arena Thursday. Uh, he was not with his teammates. Uh, so, and, you know, as Roy said, that you know, if North Carolina had played Thursday night, uh, you know, Nas by no means was going to play. So uh, he is listed as questionable. You know, I don't know. I don't know how much he would actually play. But in terms of how this affects North Carolina, um, I think the fact that North Carolina this year and last have has really played uh, with a very versatile lineup in that they've gone small, they've been able to play big, uh, they've done a lot of different things. I don't think, like Kenny says, I don't I don't think it's really going to affect the guys on the court. Now, you would like to have Nas for obvious reasons, um, but I think that the biggest issue is is you know foul trouble and those types of things. I, mean, I think North Carolina will be okay um, in terms of, of mitigating the loss of Nas, even though you do like his potential, and especially when you know this is going to be a, an up-tempo game, that he would maybe thrive and transition a little bit. But these, this is not a zone defense that Auburn's going to throw at North Carolina, so it's not going to have the same effect uh, in those games that we saw last week. Um, but I, I think I think this first game is, is one that North Carolina can survive without Nas. Uh, that probably changes if, if North Carolina gets to the Elite Eight. Sherelle, you know, it's one of those things you can survive, like Greg said, you can survive losing one guy if, if Nasir is not able to play for one game, um, if you know about it especially. And, you know, of course, we've heard about another team that lost a player right at the very beginning. They weren't prepared. Um, so that's why they lost that game, even though they lost a couple more games after that, um, knowing said player wouldn't be there. But for Carolina, I think what Kenny Williams said is key. Uh, Roy Williams is going to do what he's going to do. So a couple things I want to ask you about. One, Nasir's play and how the kid can't appear to get any breaks as far as getting dinged up or sick when he starts to turn the corner. And also... Brandon Robinson's minutes um, could be significantly more than maybe Robinson's ever played if Nasir's out. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Nasir. Um, you kind of feel for him, as Greg said, that it seems like every time he he turns a corner um, mentally or physically or whatever, something happens. So you hope that um, he could make some kind of miraculous recovery in the next 24 hours and be able to contribute something tomorrow night. But if he doesn't, I think what you'll see from uh, Roy Williams is a super tight rotation. I mean, second half against Duke in the ACC tournament type rotation because, let's face it, I mean, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, and Luke May at most have four more games left in their college careers. So they're not going to want to leave any any stone unturned, anything uh, on the floor at all. So I could easily see a scenario. I'm just looking at the ACC tournament Duke game. The minutes for Kenny Williams were 39, Kobe White 38, Cameron Johnson, 37. I think Luke May got in foul trouble at some point. He had 34 minutes, and Nasir had 20. But of those 20, 13 or 14, it feels like came in the first half. So for the second half, it was mostly the starters. I think maybe you'll see Brandon Robinson, if Nasir isn't able to play, up in the you know 13 or 14. But besides that, Williams is going to roll with his starters, and um, they've brought him here pretty much. And I think he's going to go with them in the second half, you know, throughout the game, and especially in the second half. Um, you know, people talk about it all the time. There are long timeouts in um, the NCAA tournament. There's ways to mitigate being tired. And 
for those three seniors, I just I don't know that they're going to get tired or allow themselves to get tired because they're so close to some of their goals. Greg, one thing the you know if he's out, and I think we all agree, well maybe we all agree that he's going to play, but if he's out, um, it really I I think somebody that does put some pressure on maybe is Garrison Brooks to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, you got to avoid the the silly stuff. If you get legit fouls, that's one thing. But the the silly ones that end up getting you on the bench with ten minutes left in the first half with two or things like that. That Brooks, as well as everybody else, has got to avoid those type fouls. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's that's a key component to this game, both for uh, Brooks and for for Luke. And of course, Brooks is the one. Uh, more prone to those types of fouls. But I, I do think that is the the concern. I mean, to Sherelle's point, not even just the Duke game in the ACC tournament. I mean, look at what North Carolina did against Washington. You had injuries to Kenny Williams, and you had a serious injury to Garrison Brooks that you know, knocked him out for more than half of the first half. And yet you still look at the minutes played, and it was basically a seven-man rotation. And what you saw is that, Brandon Robinson got 15 minutes and Nas got 21 to make up for the difference with Kenny Williams and, and Garrison Brooks. Um, yes, I think Brandon Robinson is going to see more minutes, but also think, um, you know, Leaky Black played well. He only played four minutes, but I think you could see him maybe getting up still in a few minutes in the first half if Nas is not able to go. Um, so more than anything, I, I totally agree that it's going to be a little bit tighter rotation, but um, that's kind of where we're at this time of year. And you build depth throughout the course of the season for the sole purpose of, you know, when, when you get to this point, you know exactly who you can count on. But if something happens and you have a foul or you somebody's in foul trouble, you're able uh, to put a guy in for just a few minutes. You may not need 10 minutes out of him, but you can get a, a few minutes here and there. So I think that's kind of the, the key component. Um, I'm not sure exactly how uh, things are going to play out uh, with Nas. And even if he plays, you, you would think he'd be limited. Um, but you, Brendan Robinson's kind of emerged as a as a quality perimeter defender. And so I think with this type of offense that, that Auburn runs, uh, he's going to be very, very needed, and he's, he's probably going to be very effective on the wings. And two things um, to add to that, Greg. One, I think with Brandon Robinson, when he's had trouble this year defensively, it's when he's been against guys who are a couple inches taller than him, um, kind of the, your your small forward NBA types, your six eight DeAndre Hunter types is where he's really struggled defensively. Against, I think, smaller players, he's able to play on the perimeter. He doesn't let them get into his body as much. So I think that bodes well for UNC. And then it's a shame because Leaky Black was on his way to becoming a, a key factor to the team, and then he basically had to sit out a month and a half with his injury. Um, you know, if that injury doesn't take place, then maybe North Carolina is a little more ready to handle not having to see her out there because you can throw Leaky Black in and he can play. You know, I think he's played five positions this year at one point. Um, so that's unfortunate, too. He's only played in two games since January 28th, I believe it is. So you can't – I don't think you can count on him for too much because he hasn't been in the flow of the action a great deal. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. JohnnyT-Shirt.com, course, Inside Carolina sponsor and Inside Carolina premium subscribers get that 10% off those orders both online and in the store on Franklin Street. If you haven't got your Sweet 16 gear, I'm sure sure they still have it. They'll probably have Elite 8 gear available right after the ball game. We should Carolina win and certainly Final Four and Championship gear if it becomes 
necessary for them to have that stuff in stock. JohnnyTshirt.com, locally owned, alumni operated, best place in Chapel Hill to get your Carolina gear. Sherelle, I'm going to stick here, um, and we all can talk about it because it's funny. You know, we've talked about the long rotations forever um, in December, and some folks still um, wonder why Roy Williams has certain lineups on the court, even, you know, late in uh, March or or mid-March or in late February, but here we are. And so tight rotation or not, I still think the, the what Roy Williams did in November and December and even in January is for these very reasons. Oh, for sure. And, you know, Brandon Robinson is probably the, the best example of that because he's come a long way in season. And I don't know that a lot of times players necessarily get better during the season. Maybe they get more opportunity, but it feels like anecdotally, I don't know what the stats say, but it feels like he's improved as the season has gone on. And it's not always, you know, putting up 12 or 15 points. I don't even know if he's done that this season. It's just, you know, a tip out rebound here or a putback. Like even though they lost the game against Duke in the ACC tournament, one of the plays that just sticks in my head is, you know, Duke is on a you know big run. I think they got up maybe five or six and, the next time down, maybe it was Cam Johnson who missed a shot. Brandon Robinson puts it back as he's falling down to the ground. North Carolina gets a stop, comes back, and before you know it, they're back in the lead. So just little plays like that, momentum plays, um, are especially big during the tournament. And we've sat here on this podcast. I don't know how many we've done since uh, media day back in October. Well, we've said all that preparation and training and playing in games when maybe um, there are, there's a better player who should be in the game. Um, the way Roy Williams handles his rotation, all that has been so that you can steal five or six minutes in a crucial game in March. And I think, you know, if it turns out positive for North Carolina, I think Brandon Robinson stealing five or six minutes and giving good play will be one of the reasons. Greg, let's talk a little bit about Kobe White. Um, Sherelle had a, a funny comment off the air when everybody found out Nasir was sick, possibly with the flu. Sherelle said his buddies all texted him and said, just keep him away from Kobe White. And him being quarantined and not being at the arena today is part of that. But Kobe, you know, I don't know how we can describe his game any differently than we have, but he was fantastic at times against Washington. This is the exact type ball game that Kobe White, if he's on and, you know, in, in the zone, could just blow everybody away with his play. Your thoughts on what we might see from him on Friday night? Yeah, I think this is the game where where Kobe can really make a, a name for himself um, at the tournament level. I mean, obviously he's done that throughout the course of the season, um, but he's he's been really effective of late uh, taking care of the ball. I think that's kind of the the biggest key to his development of late. Um, you know, averaging you know about a turnover per game after averaging three turnovers per game through his first, you know, say 25 or 26 games. Uh, and that's going to be important because what Auburn likes to do, they're, they're not the best team um, at limiting a, a team's effectiveness shooting the ball. Um, I mean, looking here, they're 224 uh, in effective field goal percentage defense. But where they're very good is that they're number one in the nation in turnover percentage. Um, and so basically one out of every four possessions they defend, they're creating a turnover and that sparks their transition game. And that's how they score. And so I think Kobe, um, if he can play under control 
and really limit his his turnovers and make sure he makes smart plays and smart passes, those types of things, this can be a game that he dominates because I don't think Auburn has an answer for him. And the the part where he can really play a role is that Jared Harper is a heck of a player, right? I mean, him and uh, him and Bryce Brown are, are kind of a, a really good one-two punch. This is the kind of guard rotation uh, that you have to have, I think, at the NCAA tournament to be able to make a deep run. So those guys are capable. And Harper's a good shooter. Harper's 5'11". And so Kobe's got six inches on him. He's got the wingspan. Uh, Harper's not, you know, he's quick. I don't know if he's as quick as Kobe. Certainly not quicker than Kobe. And so Kobe will have an advantage uh, defensively just with his length. And then Harper's going to have a hard time trying to, um, I think, keep up with, with Kobe. Now, we've seen Trey Jones, even though he's smaller than Kobe, uh, he's a very good defender, and so that posed some problems for Kobe in that, that Duke matchup. But for the most part, Kobe's been able to uh, find his game. And if he can be effective on the defensive end, and that's kind of been something that I think we've overlooked, um, kind of his growth and development on the defensive end. But if he can be effective defensively and then you know, take care of the ball on the offensive end, and this really sets up for him to, to have a really good game because if, if Auburn can't force turnovers, and they're not knocking down a ton of threes, I don't see how they keep this game close. Uh, and so that's going to be a very key component. Terrell, your thoughts there. I mean, that's what everybody said all year. People forget Kobe's 6'5", and he plays that tall. Um, I, I think with defenders with him, I think he doesn't really care for people to get up in his space. If folks understand what I'm saying there, he doesn't. You know, if he struggled against a defender, it's those type that get in his area, you know, get in, you know, disrupt his dribble. Um, but if he can get out and run, yeah, like like Greg said, this is a, a showcase game for White. And, you know, a lot of Carolina fans say, um, and they've talked about it, you know, teams just don't want to run with Carolina. I think Auburn could if they're making shots. But like Greg said, they better make some shots because Kobe's going to get to the rim enough to make some layups. Your thoughts on what you expect to see from him? I, I kind of I agree with Greg. Um, you know, Kobe is what makes the team go. Dewey has said several times that he's the heartbeat of the team, which you know you can't get more can't get much of a bigger compliment than that for a freshman who's playing you know his thirty fifth or thirty sixth game. Um, I, you know, just looking back through the season, um, the types of players that have given Kobe White trouble. I'm just looking at his offensive rating throughout the season. Obviously Duke, because we know that Trey Jones, you know, he's a good defender. He might be a little overhyped, but he's a really good defender. We'll give him that. Virginia, we know what they do. That's enough said. Louisville, the first game, um, he was in foul trouble and just was, wasn't really able to do anything the rest of the game. Kentucky has Ashton Hagens, who is not quite as tall as, as Kobe, but he's close. He's 6'3", 6'4". Um, and he really bothered him, like you said, by getting into him a little bit. So if you look at um, those games where he kind of struggled, I don't think ten, uh, out, excuse me, Auburn has necessarily personnel to be able to do that, as Greg said. I, I kind of feel the same way about the game. I know people are nervous because if they do get hot, you know, there might not be anything Carolina can do really to stop it. But if you start to look at the things that North Carolina does well, which is rebound, which is push tempo, um, which is get out in the open court, if you miss threes against North Carolina and you're a bad rebounding team, things can go really bad for you really quickly. And it's really going to come down to, to me, if Carolina defends. And, you know, I, I don't mean to be simplistic and say the same thing over and over again, but it's what we've been talking about since the Texas game. 
If North Carolina defends, everything else will take care of itself. I, I firmly believe that. If they are able to uh, keep Auburn to shooting something like, you know, 10 or 11 for 40 from three, then I don't see a reason they can't win this game by 15 or 20. Now, on the flip side, if um, Auburn is shooting, you know, 15 or 30 or something, then I think North Carolina is going to be in serious trouble. Greg, we sort of talked about that a little bit off air, and I said, and I'll freely admit I said it, if Auburn shoots 45% from three-point range, um, I think Carolina's in trouble. And if they shoot 50% or more with the – sheer volume of threes that they shoot. I mean, their top two guys that you mentioned earlier, they've shot almost, it looked like 600, close to 600 between them, uh, which is unbelievable. But Carolina, not only do they have to defend, Greg, I think defending and finishing possessions, because we've talked about it in the past, and you know, Adrian Atkinson on Twitter's you know, responded to some of my comments that, Knock out or kick out threes after offensive rebounds are deadly for the team that did not finish that defensive possession. I think, for me, the biggest key of this ball game is for Carolina to rebound the basketball when Auburn misses, period. Do that, uh, limit those second chances, and I think Carolina wins. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, look, it, I think it's pretty simple, right? Auburn does not get out in transition off of made baskets. You know, UNC is kind of a unicorn in that regard. Uh, so you know, if you're efficient offensively and you at least get shots up, what does that do? Well, that allows North Carolina's offensive rebounding machine to get to work because guess what? Auburn is 334th out of 353 teams nationally in offensive or defensive rebound percentage. So North Carolina, as long as their shot's going up, they're going to eat all day on the offensive glass. And if you do that and you're able to score, well, you know, that limits what Auburn wants to do. They want to create chaos, and they want to get out running so they can find some shots and, and transition. I mean, I think this is one of those games and uh, where North Carolina's length really helps, and this is probably where you know, Nasir's uh, length, possibly not having him, really hurts. But when you got guys like Kenny and Kobe and, and Cam and even Brandon Robinson who have such good length uh, on on the perimeter, just a little, you know, we're talking about a foot or so. But, I mean, just that extra space and trying to close out on a transition three makes a big difference. Um, and as we saw in that, that game against Kansas, Auburn, if they get, they get hot, they kind of get things rolling and then create turnovers and get some pretty good looks. Um, I referenced it in, in a story I wrote uh, this afternoon. But the thing that stood out to me in that, that Kansas game is early in the game, uh, Bryce Brown gets a, a pass ahead on the left wing, and he could have walked to the goal for a layup. There wasn't a Kansas player within 25 feet of the rim, and he pulls up for three. And so if kids are doing that and they're making them, it is going to be tough. Um, but I think there are so many things that have to work right for Auburn to have a lot of success. North Carolina has got to turn the ball over. North Carolina can't be very efficient scoring the basketball. They can't dominate the offensive glass and they have to be slow in their closeouts to limit what Auburn does from three, right? All those things really have to work for Auburn to be able to take advantage in this game. Now, can they do it? Sure. Um, but, but I think, I think if North Carolina dominates the glass like they do 
We have seen time and time again that teams that want to run with UNC usually fail. UNC is 147-5 and five under Roy Williams when they score 90 or more points. And so when teams talk about wanting to run with UNC like Bruce Pearl did today, you have to imagine Roy somewhere just chuckling. Um, but that's that's kind of the situation Auburn's in. And Pearl was asked, he said, you, this is probably the worst matchup for your team out of any of these teams in the Sweet 16. And you know, Pearl didn't deny it. So uh, there are legitimate concerns, but think at the end of the day, there's a lot of things that have to go right for Auburn for them to be able to pull this upset. Hey, Greg, just two things. Uh, one is a question, and then the other one, I guess, is a comment class question. So, one, do do you think they really are a fast paced team, or they just take advantage of turning the you know turning the other team over so much that it looks like they're a fast paced team? Because I don't necessarily see them as you know, somebody who wants to get up and down the court. I see them as they get steals and so they finish. And so it looks like they want to get up and down the court. So that's question one. And then two, can you remember a time when, uh, you know, the keys were seemed to be so just clear that like for North Carolina, you know, stop the three-point shot and the win for Auburn, make some threes, you'll win. Does it, does it seem, is that too simple of, of analysis? I don't think so. I, when you when you talk about a team that's made 421 three-pointers, which if North Carolina makes one three-pointer in this game Friday night, they will have set the single-season school record for most made threes, and it will be 306. Auburn's got 421. Um, so if you look at what they've done of late, I think they're, they've made 12, a little bit over 12 in the last 10 games. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if, if they're not hitting threes, they're very vulnerable. Now, your your first question, I think, is a great one, and it's one that I've actually talked with all the players today about. Um, and there's a couple things to it. Number one, as I mentioned, they don't push the ball after made baskets. So you limit yourself tempo-wise there. And then in talking with Luke May and in talking with Kenny Williams, one of the, the key components of North Carolina being able to push tempo the way they do is by dominating the glass because they know that when a shot goes up, there's a high likelihood that they're going to get the rebound and they're going to be out going. And the fact that they want to push it after made baskets helps as well. Auburn is not a good rebounding team. Um, and so I think when you, when you look at kind of how their season has gone, when there's been teams that want to push, like NC State, for example, State wanted to run. So Auburn ran with them. And there were 78 possessions in that game. LSU likes to get up and down a little bit. 74 possessions in that game. But then you look at like teams like Florida and South Carolina, you're talking 57, 62, 63. And that to me is pretty much a good indication that even though Auburn may want to run, and they certainly, to your point, they certainly want to run after turnovers because they'd like to get out and transition for those transition threes and, and be effective that way. I mean, they're, you know, they're forcing 17 and a half turnovers per game. Um, but beyond that, they're not a dominant enough team to impose their will on other teams. So even though they may want to run, if another team doesn't want to run, they're going to have a hard time forcing that. And I think a big reason for that is their inability to rebound effectively. Uh, as, as Bruce Pearl said today, they're minus four rebound margin. So they, they do not control the glass whatsoever. And I think that's the key component. That They want to run if teams will run with them, uh, but they have a hard time kind of forcing it. So we're going to get a pretty good opportunity to say, okay, North Carolina wants to run. 
they can run when they want to, unless they're playing Virginia for the most part, at least this team. Uh, and so we're going to get to see if Auburn can actually run with them, even though uh, they haven't had a whole lot of success pushing tempo as much as they probably would like this year. Yeah, you, and when you said that, it made me uh, look at their uh, the possessions per game on Kim Palm, and it's a mixed bag, like you said, as far as 70 possessions or more. You know, they have a win over Washington with 70 possessions and a win over Xavier with 78. But then they have losses to Duke, 71 possessions, NC State, 78 possessions, Mississippi, 75 possessions, South Carolina, 73 possessions, Mississippi State, 74 possessions, LSU, 74 possessions. So, um, like you said, to your point, I, they're not really a running team. They just get a lot of turnovers. So I, I think um, that is big because maybe North Carolina can wear them down. So, Sherelle, and again, everybody, you're listening to Inside Carolina podcast sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com. Sherelle, we've talked about how simple this game plan is or simple the analysis is. So I'm going to ask you a question and put you on the spot. Tell me one thing or, or a collection of things that will be important that aren't so simple for North Carolina to win this ballgame. Um, simple. I, you know, I think whenever the – four or five minutes um, that Kobe White isn't in the game, North Carolina has to find a way to just stay even. And maybe that means some time for Leaky Black as the backup point guard. Um, maybe that means seventh has a good game. He hasn't exactly played, you know, particularly well in the NCAA tournament. So maybe he's due for, you know, a good six or seven minutes to give Kobe a little bit of a break. Um, and then, you know, Kenny, Kenny's defense, I think, because he's going to be chasing around uh, Harper and Brown the entire game. And if he's able to um, just bother them a little bit, as Greg said, then I think that'll just fuel North Carolina's uh, fast break. And I, you know, and then on the other hand, with Cameron Johnson, I mean, he's gonna have his sights should be pretty easy on his uh, shooting targets because at six nine, they don't really have anybody who can defend him. Um, so I think those are, are a couple of things just off the top of my head. And then Garrison Brooks as well in the middle. Um, Auburn's big men, um, Spencer and then Wiley um, and McLemore, you know, they're they're not guys they throw the ball to in the post to say, go get offense. So I think that'll help uh, that'll help Brooks a little bit um, defensively because he knows that those guys aren't necessarily ones who are going to try and back him down and, you know, throw up a hook shot and get two points. He can focus on um, what they're going to try to do, which is, you know, hit a lot of threes. So his hard hedging will be important in this game as well. Greg, same question to you, and you can't use what Sherelle said. And we haven't really even talked about um, Luke May or Cameron Johnson. Sherelle just hit on Cam's opportunities that will be available in this ballgame. But something maybe um, that we'll talk about Saturday morning that we didn't talk about tonight and any time leading up to the game Friday night. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise an objection, and if you're going to be that hardcore about it, you should have told Sherelle to only have – one thing, because <laughs> where the, I was going. That's the benefit of going first. <laughs> I guess so. It's a veteran move, Sherelle. Um, I was going to go Kenny Williams. Right. I mean, Kenny Williams, I think, is kind of a key game here. If he's able to have success against Brown um, and just frustrate him a little bit, uh, you know, Auburn's going to have a tough time scoring um, in the way they want to score, just because he's such a dynamic player. You know, Harper's kind of the same way. But I do think, you know, Kobe um, with his length is going to help. And uh, as Sherelle pointed out, you know, the minutes that Kobe's not out there, um, you know, seventh, you know, he's been up and down this year. 
but this is kind of a, a physical matchup, you know, against Harper. He's got size and got quickness over Harper. You know, maybe he can have a really good defensive game, and that would really give North Carolina a boost, especially off the bench, if Nas is not able to play. Um, but you mentioned Luke, and I think the points about Garrison are, are on point. Uh, but this is one of those games where you Luke may, because there's not a dynamic player, as Sherelle said, in the post for Auburn. This is a game where Luke may should be able to score a bunch, uh, especially off the offensive glass. It's a running game. Um, he, he, he loves running them. I saw him today about um, what's his preference in terms of you know, getting the ball off a made basket. And he likes to throw the ball in so he can be the trailer. Uh, and either he can attack the glass or he can you know, sit out there and, and have a good look from three. So the way that he's played uh, up to this point, I think he's had a really good last month of the season. I think this is going to be a very good game. You know, I think Nas got all the attention against Washington, and for good reason. Uh, but Luke was just as dynamic. And so I think this is a game that, that Luke can, can really dominate from an offensive position. Um, and I think that's going to be a key. And uh, you know, beyond that, I, I think it's – as, as Sherelle said earlier, uh, defense. North Carolina, uh, all these NCAA tournaments where they've had long runs, deep runs into March and into April, they've played great defense game in, game out. They played good defense in the second half of both games in Columbus. They're going to have to do a little bit better in the first half than they did in the first half of those games. Uh, but this is where it's got to pick up. And if you want to get to the Final Four and if you want to challenge for a national championship, you have to be solid defensively from here on out. And so I think that's that's a key component as well. One thing I wanted to add <clears throat> on seventh, um, I know that Auburn you know, turns the over, other team over a good deal and it's something seventh struggle with. But um, Rob Harrington, since seventh was a junior in high school, he said that seventh plays really well in a kind of chaotic open court game. Uh, the, the Duke games remind me of that a little bit. And he doesn't play as well when he's going against set defensive structure. And it seems like, you know, I, again, I've only watched Auburn four or five times this year. It seems like they are more of the former than the latter. So maybe in his, those seven or eight minutes, if it is helter-skelter up and down, um, that will benefit seventh and maybe you let him do something positive. I was thinking the same thing. Just get the ball and go to the basket for seventh. And the, the live ball turnovers are, are the one thing that concerned me in this ball game. You know, we've talked about all the threes. If if Auburn gets hot from three, I've already said that. But if Carolina turns it over in a live ball situation, I think Carolina could introduce uh, getting upset into the equation. We'll see. Carolina plays the early game, which I love because I'm getting too old to stay up to those midnight games and do these post-game podcasts. But we'll be coming to you after Carolina and Auburn. Win or lose, you'll have an Inside Carolina podcast. Uh, but Greg and Sherelle, I do appreciate you taking the time. Greg in Kansas City, Sherelle, long day at work, but you took time to take one for the team and get this podcast done. Guys, as always, thanks. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by T-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.